Busy as a global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Juicy Podcast. I was recently in London walking around a gallery with Anthony Slumbers and was talking to him about workplace hospitality. And he said, you have to meet Ian Miner. And he made me get out my phone and send him a note right then and there. And Ian, so lovely, responded immediately. And then the craziest thing was then the next day, or maybe it was a day, two days later, Ian and I were going back and forth on messaging and I went down to the hotel lobby of the Hoxton in Suffolk and there was Kayla Parker with Ian Miner. Hi, Ian. Hey, how are you doing? That was <laughs> a stra- that was really a, a strange moment, wasn't it? The way that it was crazy. It, it was. It was. Those are the kind of things, serendipitous moments, aren't they, in life? And you mm-hmm. never know where the journeys take you. So it's quite, it was cool. It was good. It, it was, was nice. so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason that Anthony was like, you have to talk to Ian is Ian is really a amazing consultant on hospitality with this huge background in co-working. And so I was like, oh my gosh, we have to do a podcast. So here we are. So thanks for joining me, Ian. Thanks for inviting me, Liz. It's nice to be here. Thank you. And how are you doing today? Not your business, like you as a human. How are you doing? That's nice to be asked. Thanks. No, I'm good. (laughs) We always say, yeah, you know, I'm good. Uh I've always got little things going on and everyone always puts on brave faces. But generally speaking, no, I'm fine looking after myself uh, as I do. Um, So everything's calm. I have a very, very calm, peaceful life. Oh, that's Uh, great. uh, And I have lots of friends that have, you know, big families, children running around everywhere. And I had a, I always used to get asked this on a Friday evening at 3 p.m. by one of the guys I used to work with, Ian, what are you doing this weekend? And I would just genuinely, genuinely say, I don't know, mate, I think I'm just going to chill out. And he would get this far off look in his eyes, trying to remember what that was like. <laughs> and he'd always call me the B word afterwards, you know. <laughs> and so that was always a thing. And so, no, very, very calm life that I live, generally speaking. So gen- I always would always say, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, and I, generally I love actually, it. I am good. I'm all fine. You? How are you? That's amazing. Well, thanks for asking. I'm fantastic. I'm currently in between a couple of conferences and hanging out in Europe. So I've been to Mallorca and now I'm in Barcelona, one of my favorite cities in the whole world. So yeah, I'm real good. I mean, it's challenging every day. There's some unknown I need to figure out, and but I love being in foreign countries and discovering new things, and I do it every day when I'm in Europe. You've been living the jet set life, haven't you? London, <laughs> Barcelona, all over the place. It's fantastic. So yeah, it's. But you know, I also just you know I was actually just talking to Brad from Hub Australia this morning, and he's like, "Oh, you could just do that for a year," and I was like, "Oh, I have no desire to do that for a year." Like, I love my house. I love my pets. I love being home. And I think the more you travel, the more you love being home. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I know about that side of things too. Yeah, I, I did. I was at in India for quite a while, as you know, for 18 months. Mm-hmm. And I was desperate to come home. Nothing about, obviously, India, but not great in heat. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
figure that one out. 18 months and I was, when I could come home, I was always so happy. And it was the small, it was the little things that you missed. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize you miss those little things. Mm -hmm. means so much when you experience them again. Just those hundred percent. You know, so yeah, I know what you mean there. Home home is for the hardies, right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay, well, let's get into it now. How did co-working first come across your radar? It was back in 2015. At the time I was working in members' clubs, social members' clubs, along the sort of Stalin line as a solo house, but more independent boutique ones. And I got approached by a recruiter friend of mine. He said he'd come up with a really good role and I've got to, I've got to talk to him about it. And I wasn't too sure because at the time where I was working, I'd only been there like eight, nine months. And I thought it was too early for me to look at anything. I said, Ian, just come and look into this. And it was Neuer House. And um, they were due to, at the time, open up in London, um, in the Strand, in a place called the Adelphi Building. So I went through the interview process, five, six interviews, all those kind of things. In you know, one a month, it was taking a long, long time to go through the process. But as we were going through, I was falling in love with the concept that they were trying to bring to the market. And what I realized was, here you had what they would call a collaborative workspace and a members club. That's how they determined it at the time. And what it was showing to me was, this is a members club, a kind of concept that I'm used to, but purely based around the work, working environment and office life. And I just thought at that moment in time, there was this huge void in the market where you had, from what I could tell, not coming from the industry, you had offices. And that's how I knew it. There was offices. You know, I didn't know anything about that industry at all. And of course, my world of hospitality and members clubs. And I thought, no one's doing this thing in the middle. No one's bringing in a hospitality and members club vibe into the middle. So it was 2015, it started me there. That, that they didn't open in London in the end, but I was stuck on that concept. I couldn't get the thought of doing something like that out of my head because I didn't really think hardly anyone was really doing that. So I've stayed. I stayed in that side of things. I, I wouldn't come back to the traditional members clubs or restaurants or bars or nightclubs or hotels. I wanted to stay there and just try and push that, that angle more. Eventually I got a chance and that's what took me to India to develop a club out there, which was another story, but it started in 2015 with Night House. And ever since then, it's been a passion project for me, really, I feel, just to carry on that journey any which way that I can. I love it. And I noticed that you approached Ennismore about starting a co-working brand. How did that go down? That was actually, they approached, it was the other way around. They came to oh. me. So they, they were due to open a hotel in Southwark and also one in Chicago in Fulton Market. The Southwark building used to be an office tower called Wedge House. And them to knock that building down and build a new hotel, they had to keep a third of it as office and the rest could be hotel and restaurants. So they were by default kind of going to go down this road. And I think once they thought about it a little bit more, they realized, well, they kind of unofficially did co-working anyway, the way that they would look at this because of their lobby and lobby culture that went on in the hotel lobbies where everyone would come with a laptop, grab a coffee, maybe some, something to eat. And they'd sit over their laptop all day. So they felt as if it was a natural progression to move down that route. They started off with a consultant before me, um, but then they, they wanted to take this much more hospitality led and a connection of mine. Uh, a good friend uh, was moving to London. She was 
the wife of the new COO of any small. So I had the chance to come back and develop that for them. So um, we started off with literally a blank canvas and pretty much went from there. And really the only remit was, you know, we need to make this like the Hoxton Hotel with the same sort of values and brand led ethos that they had. And that's what we developed. We didn't have a name for it at the time that came up through the brand team. And yeah, that was a fantastic journey. Probably one of my favorite journeys I've been on, curious, not just because of the actual brand we developed and created, but also the company culture and the way that they managed hospitality for me was a wonderful thing. So that, that happened in 2018. Cool. Yeah, I have worked at working from both locations. And one of the things I noticed about both locations is they're full, yes. like packed. And I think I read and I also had heard from folks that the CEO of Innismore feels like the co-working aspect has more potential than the hotel aspect. Have you heard that? Mm -hmm. I know that Sharan really likes the concept, but being mm -hmm. hoteliers, that's really where they, they, they see it. Mm -hmm. The benefit for them is it actually opens up the catalogue of buildings that they can go for because a Hoxton right. hotel would traditionally be, let's say 200 rooms would be roughly their target market. So a lot of buildings don't work because they're too big and they wouldn't be able to use the rest of the space. So by bringing in the co-working element, the working from, it means that they can go for more buildings. And it also buys their revenue streams because not only are they getting hotel rooms and F&B spend, they're getting regular monthly membership fees from the co-working element. So it's brought for them a whole nother market that they could quite easily transition into. And on top of that, you've of course got your own team managing working from, but you've got the support of the hotel team as well. You have the kitchens, so you can do um, food delivery to the desks. Mm -hmm. Hotel rooms, you can do overnight st stays on their deadline day deals and all these kind of cool things they came up with. So the two really work well together. Um, yeah, and that's how that, that, that came about. But I think they realized that it just means they can diversify their revenue stream better and just mm -hmm. break that income stream through different avenues. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I do this annual megatrends. I'm actually publishing my 2024 megatrends today. And last year, one of the things that I predicted was I said that, you know, the the, com the competitor, the co-working spaces should be worried about the most is hotels. Because I feel like the hotel industry understands hospitality in a way that the workplace industry does not. And I'm just curious um, where you think kind of the state of co-working and hospitality is because you see amazing brands like Uncommon and Four, and they seem to really be hitting their mark. But how would you say they're doing on hospitality? Like where is co-working missing on hospitality? I think, you know, Excellence in hospitality requires attention to detail. And I think that's really one of the, the first key things you need to really look at. So where is the attention to detail and have they, are they experiencing that? Or are they looking for that in every single element of the operation that they're running? <clears throat> so it's the very, very simple things right through to the very complex things. To be able to achieve that, <clears throat> that attention to detail, you really need eyes all over the place. <clears throat> So the first thing I think to look at is what is the staff count that you've got that's leading that hospitality push? 
you have things like obviously the interior design to start with. So you talked about Uncommon, you talked about for a fantastic interior design. I really get that hospitality kind of furniture and look and feel about the spaces that you have there. So that's the first touch. That's one of the first pillars that you can look at is the interior design. Does it, is it a um, destination experience? You know, is it actually worth the commute to go there because you're going to sit in an environment that looks always picture perfect to the level of the actual operator, you know, so they've got that piece, mm -hmm. right. And you've got the whole brand side of things to look at a brand led hospitality concept. Um, and you can't really have a really good experience in hospitality unless the brand side of it, the brand story is there. So the brand needs to be strong as well. What are you doing around that part to push it? Then of course, you've got all of the actual operations for really good hospitality. It's got to be about engagement, um, you know, and excellence of service. So what kind of level of engagement can you give to the member or the client, the, the guest to actually really pull that through? So they're the things to really, really look at. And knowing these guys for uh, Uncommon, I don't know their service levels so how they really go once you really get into it. Mm -hmm. I know that's the sort of level a lot of people are at and it's aspiring to get to and it's the right thing to do. And, and then you can look at all the different kinds of hospitality operations you've got anyway. You know, you've got hotels, you've got bars, you've got restaurants, you've got casinos, you've got health clubs, you've got members clubs, but then you've got subcategories of all of those. So I think when we're talking about hospitality within co-working, it's just about early, early doors and there's so much more depth that we can experience on a journey on to really understand what hospitality and co-working really means and what it will mean in the future. But I do think hotels, given the kind of level of service they've got and the different types of operations that they do, kind of fits it really, really well. Mm -hmm. Because you've got people that are staying for a few days at least. Now, in a typical restaurant, it's a transient service. They come for a few hours and they go. New people come in and they go. It's the turnover trade and it's that reset and it's that attention to detail and getting everything as it needs to be for every new person that comes in. That's a fast level service, but with the uh, hotels, it's a little bit more uh, nuanced because people are staying there for a bit, little bit longer. So they can work at the right kind of pace for a co-working operation. So I think that worked well. Well, and I think it's interesting too, because, you know, post pandemic, things have changed up, right? And we're actually seeing a lot more transient members, meaning people that are coming in through aggregators or people that are only coming in two days a week is kind of the the norm now. And sure, you have people that are coming in and getting suites or getting offices, and but you've also got people getting day offices. So like we still haven't reached, you know, the homeostasis post pandemic, and it's definitely evolving and changing. But you know, from what I'm seeing is, you know, there's so many co-working spaces around the world now, and there's more and more coming. And then with real estate coming in with their flex, you know, the thing is, is now you've got to be better than home, but now you've also got to be better than the operator down the street. And I think the way for, I think one way to do that is to really focus on hospitality. I think another way to do that is what you were saying about brand is like really know 
who you are mm-hmm. so that you can find the amenities and the hospitality focuses that reflect your brand and who you are. And that is how you get to the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't always say about being better than the guys down the street. I think just be the best that you can be and find your own identity and go with that identity. And that has to be brand led. That's what that's why the best operators in hospitality are brand led operations because they understand where they're targeting, what they're doing and where they're going. Uh, and you need to know that before you can really know what kind of service level you're going to put there. And as I said, I think there's going to be plenty of different kinds of subcategories come out here. You know, with restaurants, you've got quick service restaurants, you've got casual dining, you've got fast casual, you've got family dining, you've got fine dining, you've got all these different kind of levels of dining experience. Hotels have budget hotels, economy hotels, mid-range hotels, boutique hotels, budget boutique hotels, luxury hotels. <laughs> there's this, it's just endless to find, find where you sit and, and accept that and understand as well what level of service you actually currently give and really yeah. actually afford to give more given your revenue streams and what is that going to mean to your business if, if you do so. So I think just accept where you are currently, but just look at the attention to detail. I think if you just start with looking at the attention to detail of what you're doing, that's your first step and get good at it. And I've always found that the best operators are those that have just got that. They just know how to read a room as soon as they walk mm-hmm. in the that cushion's out of place. That one's the wrong <laughs> You know, that, that light bulb's out in the corner. They can just see mm-hmm. it. And you've got to notice those things straight away and reset, reset, reset all of those touch points so that anytime anyone comes into your space, it is as good as it can be. And that's a start. Heyo, popping in here to share that we are so close to announcing the date and location for Juicy North America 2024. If you want to be one of the first to know and get access to our early word tickets and pricing, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. You can sign up by heading to juicy.co and clicking the join our mailing list button at the top right hand corner. Stay tuned for the big reveal. Juicy 2024 is going to be absolutely unforgettable. You won't want to miss it. So again, sign up at gcuc.co. That's funny because I have been to thousands of co-working spaces at this point, and I am hypercritical, of course. And the first thing I look at is, what's that? Like, first thing is, how hard is it to find? You know, I love occasionally a co-working operator will know you're coming and they'll send you very exacting directions on how to find their space. Or maybe they'll even do a photo of the exterior and an arrow to which door you go in because it's confusing at times, right? So I'm always like, what is that? Like, what is your experience before you get to the door? And then what is your experience at the door? There's a co-working space I go to quite frequently and 50% of the time the doors are locked and 50% of the time the doors are open. And then you've got to pull up an app and then you've got to log into the app. And it's just this absolute pain. And then there's another co-working space that I went to recently and I was greeted by, you know, a piece of paper on a desk that says, we've stepped away, call our cell phone. Like that's a terrible experience. And then it's how do you get onto the Wi-Fi? It's, Mm. you know, chairs may look lovely, but if they're not ergonomic, you don't want to sit in that for eight hours. And, you know, I know sometimes maybe you're putting a particular chair in a particular place because you don't want people to sit there for eight hours. But most co-working spaces, you should be able to sit in it for eight hours. 
So I totally get that. And I think it's, you know, looking at the experience from fresh eyes is super valuable. Absolutely. One of the things I was always um, keen to do early on was always walk the space as a member. Because once you, as you're in that space every single day, you just get used to walking around. And it's like you become nose blind to your favorite cologne or perfume. And you put too much on because you think you can't smell it, but everyone else can. But when you walk around a space, you become almost vision blind to it if you're walking around it every single day. So always walk around first thing in the morning to make sure everything's as it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. The doors first time, make sure everything's working and everything's as it needs to be. That's the first touch that you need to do. And then with what you're saying there about 50% open or 50% close, you don't know one day to the next what's going to happen there. Consistency is key. You know, consistency, sometimes I would prefer something to be consistently bad than inconsistent because I want to know exactly what I'm going to get from that experience every single time. I know consistently bad sounds really bad, but, <laughs> but at least you've got a starting point which you can improve upon. There's nothing worse than going into a space. For me, if I was to go into uh, some... When, you know, the old members clubs of the day was making sure that every time that cocktail is made, it's made exactly the same way by every single bartender. Mm-hmm. You don't want someone making it this way, putting a different garnish on it or doing it that way, maybe adding a little bit extra of this to it. It has to be the same all the time. It's the same with coffee. You can go to a coffee shop and you're thinking, what they give me today, it's just not what I asked for. It's wrong that they, 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 you know, they heated the milk wrong or they, they, they didn't prepare the milk properly before they bought it. All these kind of things has to be consistent. So work on that level, work on that attention to detail, the consistency levels, and then you're going to start, I think, you know, to start to see results. But as you said, if you're there and it's open 50% of the time and 50% of the time it's not, you won't go again because you don't know if it's going to be open. And that's pretty bad. And putting signs on desks, no, you can't sit here for this level of time. No, that's not good. I've walked into a place before and I always check the toilets before I ever use anything. of the building is one of my things. And I walked into this one co-working space, so I go into the details of it. But the toilet rolls were on the floor, three or four of them, and that's where you had to pick them up and use them from. And I thought, that's not a good sign. You know, and these things do happen. Yeah, I judge every restaurant on its restroom. Like, exactly. if the restroom is dirty, the kitchen's dirty. That's exactly it. That's the same thing that I'll do as well. So uh-huh. I'm a nightmare. <laughs> I'm a nightmare. I'm familiar with me. It's a nightmare. <laughs> um, so one of the reasons Anthony was like, you guys have to talk, is I was talking to Anthony about... Like, I think co-working is in the wrong vertical, right? That somehow we got, you know, glommed into real estate and that's not our business. Our business is a little bit more transactional, although we can have, you know, super long-term stays. And we don't, most often people don't own the asset. It's great when you can, but it's definitely not the norm. It's generally a joint venture or a a, uh, management agreement and... You know, I'm just curious as you, as I would say, a hospitality, you know, experienced expert, like where do you think co-working resides? At the moment, I, I, I'd I find, I don't think it all sits in, in hospitality, but I think it will definitely all go that way to sit in within hospitality. I think it has to, it has to go that way because you're spending literally most of your time in a working environment. You only spend a couple of hours in a restaurant. Management agreements and joint ventures, I think that that seems to be the most easiest way and pushing a lot of landlords now getting used to it. I don't think that they should have the fear of long-term leases because if you've got the brand right, if you've got the operation right, if you've got the design right, you've got the price point right, 
you don't need a contract. You can roll month to month to month because people won't leave. Why would they leave? If you've got all those points spot on and you're doing a good job and it's better for the operator as well, I feel to be month by month because it keeps you honest in the game. It means you're continuously engaging with your customer base because you have to. If you only do long-term stuff, that's why, and that's why the engagement's never there because it doesn't need to be there. So I think if we're going to go into hospitality, let's first look also at what we're doing uh, contract-wise. You don't need to go long-term, take that hit and go month by month because it will keep the assets operators honest. It means that we engage better because we'll have to. It means we'll listen to the, 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 the you know, the, the stress points of the relationship between a member and us. And we should get better at what we do. But I think hospitality will, will, Everyone will eventually go that, that route. I think the way that you've taken that and you're pushing that narrative is fantastic because I think that's where it needs to sit. It's not a, an office asset really anymore. We're not doing that kind of deal where you can just go in there and manage the space yourself. We're putting in the service and if we put in the service, that makes it hospitality by default with nothing else. Yeah, and I think also it's interesting because I hadn't thought of it in this way before, but when you compare it to hotels, you know, you're lucky if you get eight hours of sleep and I, right. That's like, like if somebody says I get eight hours of sleep, you're like, wow, that's amazing. But we all spend eight hours a day at work. Like you're actually spending more time in the workplace generally than you are in bed, you know? So yeah. it's, it's interesting because one aspect is, you know, you're outsourcing your bed and the other one is you're outsourcing your work day. Yeah. So it's just, it's kind of interesting. And I love that, you know, like the Hoxton has captured both of those and the restaurant, right? So like you could never, and it's funny because when we stay at the Hoxton, when we're doing Juicy, there are especially cold rainy days where we do spend like literally 24 hours there because you get up, you can have breakfast, then you go over to working from and you work. And then at the end of the day, you head back for, you know, drinks in the lobby. And then you maybe go out for dinner and come back and go to bed at the Hoxton. So that's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it in, in that way. And that, yeah, if you don't want to leave, then just stay. Yeah. I mean, you have to design an experience and then create a concept to interpret those details through the operation. And it's all about experience led. You know, so I think what you're having there is that experience. You've got the lobby, as you said, you've got the hotel rooms, you've got the working environment. It's an experience and it needs to be an experience all the way through. And that's the key to good hospitality as well. What kind of touch points you're having on the experience that you're giving and the engagement that you're giving to the members of the space. Uh, I think those things are, you know, crucially important uh, if you're going to really push that hospitality angle. And yeah, I think as well, it's lifestyle now. We haven't got this work-life balance anymore. That was talked about many, many years ago when the 95 was there going right back to the Industrial Revolution those days. We don't do that anymore. There is no work-life balance. There's just balance. So I think the experience of, of that balance needs to be great all of the time, mm -hmm. um, whether it's work, whether it's your social life, whether it's your rest life, family, all these things. You have to have, you have to enjoy them as much as each, each other. One of the things I always wanted to do with my team was, you know, I would never want anyone that was working with me to go home on a Friday evening, if it was Monday to Friday, happy because they had the weekend and they'd be, they'd be depressed on a Sunday because they've got to go back to work on Monday. They, that, that should almost be from the flat line. You've got to be enjoying your life, your personal life and your professional life in equal measures at the same level 
which means that you have to put a really good experience there together for them because again, it's just balanced out. Mm-hmm. So people are looking for that. They're becoming more, more acute into what they want. They know they don't want that boring office cafe thing out anymore. It just doesn't suit. They want, if they're going to go into the office, they want to go to somewhere which has fantastic service. It's a really good experience and it looks beautiful and it's nice. Yeah, I, I wonder if the term office doesn't just kind of leave our vocabulary in the next it few should, years. Should do. It should do. I think we'll we, we, we evolve and we come up with, with, with something. We, we hear so many terms that people want to call it. You know, I always did go down the line of productive workspace and members club because of the Neuhaus days. Mm-hmm much more of a lifestyle club almost sort of concept now because it is lifestyle work is part of that it's a huge part of that and uh, mm-hmm. we need to play the, all these elements together at the same time yeah absolutely and i do think that co-working will you know mimic the hotels and that you'll have your your different brands and your different experience and people will go and there's already like there's indie co-working there's you know, boutique co-working, there's... We've already done um, subcategories then, which is great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely going to happen. And I'm curious, is there a question about hospitality that I should have asked you that I didn't? That's a good one. Probably, maybe. I'm not sure at this moment in time. <laughs> no, I, sometimes I always think maybe I just talk too much, you know, I just rattle on. No. Um, but no, I don't think so. I think, I think just the fact that we're having the conversation is all we need to do at this stage, right? Let's not stress it too much. It's just, as you're doing, let's get people on the journey to start conceiving themselves as being a hospitality brand. Think about brand as well. That's crucially important. That really plays a massive part and start to enjoy the journey and just put those experiences together and just look for the attention to detail consistency and you're kind of on the way okay so i have a couple more questions for you and then we'll wrap up where do you work from mm, i work from home which <laughs> is the strange thing to me i work from home converted room into into a small office so i really work from home most of the time always going to london for meetings as when i need to obviously you know i still go to Oxton, so that because i have i have a free membership there which is nice so i can go there when i want I also go to Old Sessions House as well because um, that's run by Notel now, but that was our head office and it's more so it kind of has, kind of has a nice feel for me because it gives me some you know, memories of the past of life when we were working there. So I work from those two locations, mainly from home, 80% of the time it's from home. And that was a struggle for me at first, you know, because I was so used mm-hmm. to being around people nonstop all the time. And when I used to come home, that was my silence time that's where i didn't have to talk to anyone i didn't have to be nice to anyone it was just me home so i could just just chill out and relax and then when i turned home into my work environment and i wasn't you know around people all the time that was a that was a change to start with that was quite tough but i'm used to that now i'm used to that now and just going to london and wherever i need to go as and when all right. Well, I encourage you to find your local co-working space because there they're out one. there. There is one. No. There, there is nowhere I live. I live right around the country, right around the coast of Essex. There is nothing in my immediate local area. Well, no, there's one in Chelmsford. There's in Chelmsford, which is near me. I, I haven't been there, but that's a drive away. Yeah, I'll have to 
It's terrible I'm saying like, I, I don't go to my wife. <laughs> we have to chat for half an hour and then it gets me saying I work from home. <laughs> well, I work from home some too, but I also go to co-working spaces all around Austin. And when I travel, I go to co-working spaces because I just like being around people. It gives me energy that I'm not alone. I don't feel lonely and you know, when you sit there and you see everybody else working, you're like, wow, I guess I should get you to do. work. <laughs> you do, don't you? I, I experienced that quickly. Uh, we were in Neuer House when I was, was there. Um, the first few weeks I had to get get used to the um, operation. I sat in the, in the New York location and I was fascinated by what was happening. Eight o'clock in the morning, people would start to come in. They'd be bustling around the coffee area. And you could almost see the, the, the aura growing around the people as they were getting more and more excited, chatting away, chatting away, chatting away. Then every now and again, one person would just drift away to a desk, put on their headphones, and away they would work for three hours. They got all their creative juice from the from the uh, members there, went away, did all their creative work that they needed to do. Laptop was shut after three hours, and off they went. And I thought, well, that's pretty smart. I think yeah. That's quite, I don't know if that happened organically. I think it was organically, but... That's that secret source, you know, when you see it working like that and mm-hmm. members bouncing off of each other, that's crucial. That's once you've got that, if you've got that correct, and members bouncing off of each other, you you're really on something. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, one last question. Cool. So everybody knows I'm obsessed with unreasonable hospitality, um, and I'm just curious if there's like a a a hospitality book that you love that I could read next. Mm, no, that's no, that's a, you put me up with that one. No, because I think <laughs> everything, everything that I've done is basically through experience. It's just experiencing mm. it, you know. Because of course, living it the way that I have over all these years, I just experienced it all firsthand. So rather than reading the next one, I would say just get out there and and really experience it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's what I would do. So, no, I know, and I haven't even read that for a few minutes. I know I've got to. Um, yes, you do. I will do. I'll read that. But <laughs> no, I see, here I am talking about hospitality. And I haven't read a book on it. It's well, because I did it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I'm sure lots of people are going to be reaching out to you, Ian, for your help and your expertise. And I super appreciate your time. And I'm so glad to have a uh, new hospitality friend in the industry. Same here. It's been great. It was really good meeting you the other day. It's most always the best. And yeah, it's been really, really good to talk. So don't yeah. be a stranger. I won't, I promise. And if you guys need help with hospitality, we'll put Ian's contact information in the show notes. Have a great day. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast.